Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Foundation Studio. I appreciate you joining us. I want to welcome our listeners from Jackson and the Mississippi Delta and really from all over the state on Super Talk TV. But a lot of people are watching the show on Facebook or YouTube or you're listening on your favorite podcast. We, uh, we appreciate you being there. And this show will continue to celebrate all the men and women across the state of Mississippi who are working so hard in the trenches to make this place a better place to live work and play. Listen, I'm privileged to to be associated with Super Talk Mississippi Media. I've had many conversations about that. Their news team led by JT Mitchell is terrific. Um, if you haven't signed up to, for the newsletter it's at uh, supertalk.fm, I would really encourage you to do that. Um, if you go there, what you will find is that I've written a couple of columns recently. You can you can find them under opinion. One is actually about the CWD issue, the chronic wasting disease issue, <clears throat> excuse me, that Mississippi is facing. And the other one is a very sort of detailed conversation or, or opinion piece about the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Commission <clears throat> and related to whether or not it's it's meeting its obligation to uh, abide by open meeting laws. Now, look, this is a big-time conversation that I'm having on my Super Talk Outdoor show that airs every Monday at lunchtime. But the, the, the what I wrote about that and what I'm talking about really applies to any public body. So since it's kind of a hot conversation, in fact, uh, there was a – there was a, a sportsman's caucus meeting for the Mississippi legislature the other night, and someone referred to me as a hot potato. I guess that's a good thing. I mean, you know, if you're trying to uh, to create a conversation in the public about the public trust and someone refers to you as a hot potato, I'm good. I'll take that. You know, I've been called worse. But I think, you know, what's important, and you'll get this from this conversation, is that the public trust is incredibly important. And what we're seeing with the degradation – uh, a reduction of <clears throat> news resources across the state of Mississippi. What will happen is public bodies will start to to do things and develop bad habits and break the law as it relates to open meeting laws and all that. So I thought I would invite my friend Jim Asher. He's uh, he's terrific. I got to know him when he came to work with Knight Ritter after Hurricane Katrina, helping us at the Sun Herald as a publisher of the newspaper. I watched him very closely because he went on to lead the Washington Bureau for the McClatchy organization. He had a, he also was an investigative editor for Knight Ritter, the the company that owned the Sun Herald. Then McClatchy bought Knight Ritter in 2006. And, um, you know, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner. He's been involved in four other finalists for the Pulitzer Prize winner. And really, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff, but more recently he's been writing a book. He also did some work for the Associated Press covering the Mueller investigation of uh, President Donald Trump. So he's one of, the, uh, one of the more respected investigative journalists in America. And he's just a guy you want to have a conversation like this with. So, Jim, without any further ado, welcome to uh, the Ricky Matthews Show, my friend. Thank you. That's very, uh, very uh, uh, glowing introduction. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> well, look, uh, you've uh, you've paid attention. I've watched you pay attention to the sort of important conversations that I'm raising about the public trust, and I appreciate you paying attention. And uh, I mean, it's an it's an important conversation, is it, my friend? It is. It is, and it's <clears throat> it's not just uh, a Mississippi issue. You know, this is a national issue that is has been exacerbated by the the fact that journalists aren't everywhere the way they used to. I mean, in my early days as a reporter, I covered the planning boards, the board of uh, planning appeals. I was in every governmental meeting in every little town in Connecticut for a while, and in New York, and <clears throat> in Jersey, and in Pennsylvania. And those those were we were we were there as uh, as part of a. A, a large effort to shine light on what government was doing. The and sunshine is a powerful thing. And I often say sunshine <clears throat> is a lubricant that rights wrongs. I, the sunshine is important. And, you know, when we're talking about wildlife and conservation in this state, the work of the commission is really important because it's a five-member board with just three votes. They can change the course of history for conservation efforts in our state. So let me, uh, as as uh, as Stan Tyner used to say, the former editor of the Sun-Herald, he used to say, let me hum a few bars. And what he's saying is I'll read some segments of, of what I wrote. You can see this posted at supertalk.fm uh, at uh, news and under opinion. So here's here's what I wrote. The Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks is entrusted with the responsibility of conserving and managing the state's diverse wildlife, fisheries, and parks. Their work impacts not only the environment, but the economy, tourism, and the overall well-being of communities. It's vital that their decisions and accompanying discussions made by the five-member commission be transparent and open to public scrutiny. Fundamentally, the work of the commission is a sacred trust. When public institutions like the Wildlife Commission operate in secrecy, which it appears, as I will highlight, too much of the commission's work these days is discussed in backroom meetings out of the public view and is influenced too often by politics and the rich and powerful, it erodes the trust citizens have in their government. In Mississippi, the violation of open meetings laws by a public body occurs when the public commission, the public body, in this case the commission, fails to comply with the requirements set forth by the Mississippi Open Meetings Act. Let me discuss briefly Mississippi Sunshine Laws. A meeting is deemed to occur when a quorum or majority of the, of the members of that public body are gathered and discuss anything under their authority or jurisdiction. In this case, all wildlife, fisheries, and parks, including hunting, fishing, and conservation. The Wildlife Commission must provide proper advance notice of all meetings, including the date, time, location, and agenda. According to sources, the Wildlife Commission routinely holds meetings before their official monthly meet, public meeting. This is widely known by close and some not so close to the commission and has gone on for years. It has been confirmed by former commissioners. There is a culture of discussing and debating issues as a group and one-on-one outside the public eye. And in t at times, coming to decision or a consensus prior to the public meeting. This is illegal. A closed meeting cannot be held without a valid, valid legal reason, such as discussing personnel matters, pending litigation, or certain economic development issues. While in executive session, discussions unrelated to the stated reason cannot legally occur, and members of the staff from the Attorney General's office must be present during these sessions, and this is related to the commission. 
The commission can't prohibit or restrict attendance and participation in their public meetings without uh, proper jurisdiction, um, uh, without ch pro proper justification. Excuse me. I have heard, but have not had it defended. Had, do don't I don't have definitive proof that some in the public have been denied opportunities to speak. I was told in a text by Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Park Executive Director Lynn Posey, you can call or email the office and we will put you on the agenda, or anyone can sign up at the meeting and be added. They usually limit comments to five minutes. And here's, here's my, a note from me. Just in terms of the five-minute rule, I have personally observed politically connected members of the public and their friends getting unlimited time at these meetings. The commission must keep accurate and detailed minutes of all meetings. They're supposed to be recorded, but they have never had a court reporter or other person taking the notes. Intentionally omitting information can be violation of law. Here's an important point. If the commission regularly discusses topics that are not part of the public trust, that are, that are part of the public trust offline, there is no record. Of important note, they did start videoing in public live streaming their monthly public meetings after much outcry from the public and thanks in large part to Commissioner Billy Munger's insistence. You can actually watch those meetings on the YouTube channel. In fact, there's a meeting today that starts, an educational meeting starts at 10, another one, uh, the, the main business meeting starts at 11. I would encourage you to, to tune in. The commission uh, should conduct the discussions and make decisions during open meetings. Making decisions through private communications or informal gatherings without public knowledge and input from a without public input is a violation of law. But here's another important point. By saying the commission should conduct discussions in open meetings, the law is protecting the public trust. This this doesn't mean a quorum of commission members has to be present for there to be an issue. All discussions involving matters of public trust Wildlife, fisheries, and parks should be held in open meetings, even if those discussions are one-on-one -on -one between commissioners. This point has been successfully litigated in Mississippi. While there are legal and ethical considerations that are significant, operating in secrecy erodes and undermines public trust. The legitimacy of commission decisions will be challenged and should lead to a public outcry and demands for accountability, resulting in the reputation of the institution being tarnished. Mississippi's outdoors deserves better. Now, listen, I go on from there and I give some examples and I talk about um, their, their efforts to silence my voice, which obviously didn't, they didn't succeed. And I end with this. But let us be clear, continued violations of Mississippi's open meetings laws will almost certainly lead to formal complaints, litigation, and further degradation of the public trust. Let's put the tr public trust back on the front burner. Our kids and our kids' kids are counting on us. So that's what I wrote about the commission. And uh, it has been, uh, it has been, it has traveled around. And maybe, you know, that's why I'm being referred to as a hot potato. But, you know, if that's what I am, I proudly wear that tattoo. That is for sure. Listen, when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk to uh, my friend Jim Asher, a former investigative journalist, former editor, former head of the Washington Bureau for McClatchy, about the importance of the public trust. We're going to talk more about that when we come back after this break. We'll see you shortly.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. Appreciate you joining us. Hey, listen, at the uh, in the last segment, I introduced my friend Jim Astor. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative reporter. He used to lead the Washington Bureau for McClatchy in Washington, D.C. So he has, he has knowledge of what's going on around the world. And in fact, before we uh, get done today, I want to talk to him about Ukraine and Russia and some of the normalizing of Putin's actions, crazy stuff. But we're going to talk to him about that before we get done. But we're talking about the public trust. Now, look, we spent a lot of time on this show talking about leadership, talking about people who are working in the trenches. From time to time, we'll take what I call a diversion. And in this case, the diversion is a really good focus on public trust, the role of governmental bodies. Now, on Super Talk Outdoors, I've been spending a lot of time talking about the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Commission. And it's important what I'm talking about because their work impacts all of us, whether we hunt or fish or just enjoy the outdoors. And maybe we don't do any of that because the outdoors industry in Mississippi is a multi-billion dollar industry. They have a really, really important role over that. So as I, as I ended the column that I shared with you in the last segment, I said, while there are legal and ethical considerations that are significant, and that is true, there, there are legal and ethical considerations that are significant ones, for a matter of fact. Operating in secrecy erodes and undermines public trust. And look, that's where most of my focus is. I don't. I want to focus on putting the the business of the public out there for us all to see, so we can understand the logic and the conversations and the debates that lead to discussions. But when they introduce controversial topics, and maybe one or two says something, and then they just vote, and they don't have much debate or real serious discussion around it. It makes you wonder. And um, one of the one of the examples that I brought out is Bill Coster, the chairman of the of the commission, once said, "It's on tape." It's not the only example of that, but but I just it's just one example. He he said, "Can I have a second on that?" And nobody said anything. And then he said. You know, turns toward one of the commissioners and said, weren't you supposed to second this? Well, that lets me know they had pre-conversations about how this was going to play out. And we got to stop that. We need to hear, with all the issues facing, especially chronic wasting disease, with all the issues facing the commission these days, we need to hear all the conversations so that they're not sending mixed messages about the important topics in, in Mississippi. So ultimately, as I closed it, I said the legitimacy of the commission decisions will be challenged and should lead to a public outcry and demands for accountability resulting in the reputation of the institution being tarnished. Mississippi's outdoors deserve better. But hey, I would add that any public body that does that, it would tarnish them as well. And the citizens that that, that public body is responsible to should also uh, deserve better. And so that's kind of what this conversation is about. So, you know, coming back to you, Jim, you've, uh, you've been following this closely and I appreciate that you do that. I mean, you, you're, you're following news from around the world, but you're paying attention to what's going on in Mississippi. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, but goodness gracious, my friend, this is a really important conversation, isn't it? Well, it is, you know, and you know, government, <clears throat> has an awful lot of power over the, the lives of everybody. <clears throat> it's not just a matter of uh, good buddies who get together and talk about the public trust. It's about what policies are gonna get enacted, how your life is gonna change as a result of it. And the other, the other 
intriguing thing to me about uh, about governmental organizations is that there is a tendency for the people in them to become very comfortable with each other. And the more comfortable they get with each other, the more they sort of tend to have favoritism about the friends of the people who they work with so that contracts go to people who they know. the policies are influenced by those who have the highest amount of, of, uh, of political loyalty on the, on the commissions or on the boards. And there, there has always been, in my professional life, a check on that. And that check has been the sunshine of journalism. But there is also, and it, and it was a consequence of the complaints by journalism over the years, uh, there has been in, enacted in every state in the country uh, a lot of laws that require openness and disclosure and the, all of the things that journalism brings to uh, its coverage of things. But but that those are laws, and they're not they're not uh, pretend laws. They're laws, and they require uh, action. And and by the by the uh, by the board or by the commission or by the agency or by the entity. And that's that's um, not, it, it wasn't passed lightly. It was passed because it preserves the trust that citizens have in how their government works. Listen, and, uh, as a publisher, I remember this so well, and this is why, you know, newspapers had a very specific role in society to help keep democracy viable because you know the way it was before the digital tsunami happened is that newspapers clearly were the local media source that had the most resources that had the most reporters and so on so for so long during my career remember uh, our our local lawyer in in coastal mississippi for the sun herald was uh, henry laird he's a terrific um, he's a terrific first amendment lawyer and uh, we, we've been to battle more than once, um, you know, with public bodies, whether it be a board of supervisors or an economic development organization or the institution, uh, the institution of higher learning. Uh, there are many examples where the laws have been challenged and and in the case of the Sun Herald, we won. But, you know, it was interesting. Not only was it important, Jim, to have really good reporters and uh, that were there. You know, Nita Lee, still at the Sun Herald, Jeff Pender, uh, who now works for Mississippi Today. Um, there are so many others. Uh, you know, Stan Tyner really well, terrific editor, understood everything you and I are talking about now. But, you know, so you had to have a great news organization to start out with, you know, and ours shined dramatically after Hurricane Katrina, you know, and we were awarded with a Pulitzer as a result of it. But <clears throat> You also have to have good. You have to have resources, money, to be able to pay lawyers because a lot of this stuff requires filing suit or putting them on notice. Or, I mean, this is this is expensive stuff that we're talking about. And so, as the model for newspapers begins to break down, you lose not just the reporters, but you lose being able to fund the lawyers 
who could go to war with some of these people who were trying to do their work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And what happens, as you've already talked about, in the case of the commission, there's no qualifications. You know, that's it. You know, some involvement in the outdoors, that's it. So they're making important biologic and scientific conservation decisions, but there's no requirement that they have qualification. That's really important. Now, look, the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, Park had great biologists and scientists and team leaders that are doing really good work. They should listen to them more often. But mm-hmm. but when you have that and then you don't have their, the sunshine on them, as you pointed out, bad habits start to happen. Now, look, in my research of this, this goes back many, many, many years. So they've been sort of doing it their way for many meetings before the meetings and, you know, coming together over dinner and doing, doing all the things that you could imagine. And as you pointed out, the more familiar they come with each other and their buddies, et cetera, the more – they start to sort of violate the public trust. It's just natural. I don't, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily blame them as human beings. It's natural to develop camaraderie and all of these things and begin to, to not understand the, the, the defining characteristics of open meeting laws. For a matter of fact, I bet, I bet if we were to quiz them on open meeting laws, aside from the column I just wrote, they probably would not even be able to tell you mm-hmm. what, what the laws are and how they apply. But that's mm-hmm. kind of normal, though, isn't it, Jim? It is normal, and and you know it. It some of the decisions that have been made by governments and by government groups over the years have been really stunning, before their myopic approach to the facts. Take take the Iraq War, you know, the Iraq yeah. War was started because a lot of people wanted to retaliate against Saddam Hussein. You know, and they've said, well, what's the justification for that? Well, it's weapons of mass destruction. They were they were it was a small circle of people talking to each other. They didn't want to have anybody interfere in that conversation. So we made bad policy decisions in Philadelphia, where I worked. There was an organization running the port of Philadelphia, and they were very comfortable with uh paying themselves very high salaries and benefits and travel all around the world to look at other people's ports. Yet the quality of the the uh, business at, in Philadelphia was declining year after year after year. But to protect themselves, what they did is they altered the, the, the disclosure of, of port traffic so that uh, it looked as if the traffic was going up year after year after year. And how did they do that? Because they added uh, bulk oil shipments to the refineries in Philadelphia uh, to the general cargo, the stuff that had all the employment on the docks. Um, so it looked like the cargo was going up, and it was only going up because people were driving more and they were burning more oil. You know? Once we, Once I started reporting about it and they changed it, uh, the state intervened, threw all those people out, and spent hundreds of millions of dollars fixing it. Well, you just threw the Iraq war out there, but we'll remind people about the team you had the opportunity to work with in Washington and the role they play. Movies have been made about them. That's how close Jim is to what he's just talking about. He modestly mentioned that point. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Jim Asher, a uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter and editor. And we'll talk more about the public trust. 
reminding you why we all love living in this great state of Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. And look, I remind you, if you're not getting the newsletter from Supertalk News, go to supertalk.fm and sign up for the newsletter. The team led by JT Mitchell is doing a terrific job. And you and we've got columnists from all over the state that are that are contributing. Um, you won't find news from Indiana. <laughs> a lot of local companies are having to do that to fill news space. You're going to find news from Mississippi. So sign up for the newsletter. You'll be glad you did. They're doing just doing a great job. Supertalk's hitting on a bunch of cylinders. And listen, I'm thrilled to be able to have a conversation about the public trust with someone like Jim Asher. And as I mentioned before we went to the break, he just sort of mentioned the Iraq war and the role that news played. But what he didn't say is that our team at Knight Ritter is the team that led the reporting about the Iraq war that led to a movie and awards. And Lord, you know, I knew that that team extremely well, for a matter of fact. And um, Jim joined that team, I think, sometime toward the end of their reporting. But you got to know him really well. So you knew at one point. All of them were on an island. No one agreed with what they were writing, and everything that they wrote turned out to be exactly true, didn't it? It did. And one of the interesting things about about that uh, dichotomy between what they were reporting being true and the fact that nobody would listen to them is that the New York Times had taken the point of view of the government. And because the Times had said the government was right and it had a giant megaphone, it drowned out the voices of those people who say, well, no, we don't think that's correct. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, the 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 uh, public trust extends to journalists, too, and they really have to be independent and they have to be accurate and they have to be they have to value the people and yeah. not their own position in the industry. Well, Jim, you you watched you watched my career. You you know my background. We we had the opportunity to work together, and I'm honored to have uh, been involved with a company like Knight Ritter, having had the opportunity to co-lead the strategic planning effort for the company, and to have had regional responsibilities for for Knight Ritter along the way, and to have worked for McClatchy. And then to have worked for the Newhouse family later in my career, involved in you know big time digital efforts. Um, so I've I've um, I'm I'm thrilled to be in a position now working with SuperTalk where I can have an independent voice. I talk about this a lot, but you know this, you know that I do this as a passion in my retirement. I don't have to be here, but I mm-hmm. but I believe in what I'm doing. I, I think that you know there's a great intersection between this this. Uh, opportunity to have shows on Super Talk, and this incredible knowledge that I gained over the over the extent of my career, and 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 what I've learned from people like you that I still continue to talk to, but what I've learned is so important about why the public trust is important, and if I can play a role in bringing public discussions together about that, even if I'm <laughs> referred to as a hot potato, I'm good with that, man. I'm I'm re- I think that I think that that's a really good thing. Um, you know, somewhere a, a nonprofit news guy said of me the other day that I, I was having a feud with the commission. And, you know, I didn't even comment. I, I don't see it as a feud at all. I, hmm. I think that if there's a feud, it's between the commission and the public. You know what I'm saying? And all I'm doing is shedding light on it. 
Absolutely. But you've seen that before, haven't you? That's true, and and uh, it's that it's that interest in making us the villain uh, that helps the organization, the the entity, the the institution, the government uh, maintain its power and maintain its uh, its ability to affect everybody's lives. They make they make those people who bring light to the situation the villain then the light becomes propaganda and then it can be disbelieved and that that's a, a problem that afflicts the entire conversation about uh, so many things in america these days hey i saw a post the other day rock the rock the the um the actor who was a mm-hmm. uh, a you know wrestler you know that's where he started he started as a football player but he was saying of a NASCAR driver who is known as a villain, okay? He's, and it was a quote about that, and he's saying, embrace being a villain. He says, embrace it, because it p- creates a platform for you to be able to say things that others won't say. I thought, what a great, you know, because it has nothing to do with me or has nothing to do with journalism, but it certainly applies, you know? And, you, you know, we heard this many times in marketing that, if they're not saying good things about you, you know, hopefully they're saying bad things about you because one way or another that they're talking about you right. is an opportunity for you to get your your word out. And right. then eventually if you're if you're credible and you're ethical and you have integrity, uh, you know, you, you ultimately will be able to sort of, you know, win win the war if there's such a thing as that. Because I don't see this as a war. You know, I see this as a as a profound uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. A privilege, an honor to be able to have the opportunity to have these conversations. I, I, I thank Super Talk greatly for having uh, in, enabling me to do this. Mm-hmm. But that's it, you know. At the, when it's all said and done, I'm going to go back and spend some time with my grandkids, and you know that's that's the way I look at it. Right. Well, it it is true. It's it's not a war, but uh, it it doesn't it isn't easy to break the tendencies of favoritism and cronyism and self-dealing. That's not a simple thing to do because people have become comfortable in feathering their own nests and making sure that their policies count and other people's policy don't. So it's not a, it's, it's not a war war, but it's an important uh, debate to have and to open up the doors for that debate and to let people know that it's happening so that they can participate in it is a very important function for what you're doing. And actually, that's really important. So there's a member of the commission now that has not been confirmed by the Senate. I'm trying not to make this about him in this conversation, but um, but he, you know, there are some special interests that would love to see him stay on the commission because he supports what they would like to do. There mm-hmm. may be some in the legislature that that feel like they've got a good relationship with him. May not always agree with him, but they can trust him to do what they need him to do. That's the point that you're making. So right. while what he does, in terms of explicitly to the public, may come across at times as being overbearing, uh, may may become across as as anti science. Um, those with special interests don't really care too much about that. Actually, they just really know they want to know their guys there, they're, and they're right. gonna they're gonna work to make sure their guy stays there. But and so, you know, that happens all the time. I have no premonitions about about that at all. That you can just talk about something like that and it will go away. That's all the more reason you need sunshine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true, and 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 it's um, 
It's fundamental to the proper functioning of a, of a government, and it's fundamental to to how effective they are in representing the people. You know, if the it, your your conversations about uh, deer wasting disease, you know, that's that's not a trivial matter. That can affect and decimate an entire population of deer, yeah. and it's happened in places across the yeah. country. Yeah. So if you're being if you're being nonchalant in a tackle in tackling that problem, because somebody is whispering in your ear to uh, you know do something, don't do something about it or whatever, you yeah, know, that, that's a, a a major public policy that's going to affect hundreds of thousands of people across your state. Yes, it really is. And as it relates to chronic wasting disease, I've written a column about that too, because the commission today is probably going to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made a decision to take a county out based on going against the science, going against what tracking studies showed them. And now that county has chronic wasting disease. But it's no surprise. We knew it was just inevitable that that was going to happen. But uh, that's what happened. And and so, you know, a lot of these decisions happen and, you know, you know they, a lot of the discussions around them don't happen in the public eye. And so we don't get to really understand it. And they send mixed messages. And, you know, the first chronic wasting disease was found in Mississippi in 2018. It's 2024. And we still don't have alignment around how we should deal with it. It's quite concerning, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And there's some that would say it's always been there, but it hasn't always been there. That's the important point to point out here. It's spreading in Mississippi. It's spreading. It's a it's an insidious disease because it's 100% fatal and there is no cure. And it's not it's 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 a, a a protein. It's a prion that causes it. And that prion can sit on a deer feeder or on the ground or inside a scrape. It's a it's an insidious disease, but we've got to look at it that way, and we've got to manage it that way. So, you know, the public process is really, really, really important. So, uh, Jim, anything else about this before we move on? Um, we can move on. <laughs> look, um, I have been – I think, Kyle, Kyle, we're getting close to the end of the segment here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're coming coming to the end of the segment. Jim, what I'm actually curious about is what have you been working on? And then I really want to ask you very specifically, what do you think about how social media and bias reporting has somehow, and I don't know how, well, I guess I do understand the technology behind it, but the propaganda that's being fed to Americans today about Putin, the normalizing of Putin, blows my mind. I want to hear what you have to say about that when we get on the other to me, side. It's a personally shocking thing. I have a, it is. It's, a, it's amazing. We'll continue our conversation with Pulitzer Prize winning editor and investigative reporter uh, Jim Asher after this break. to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. Glad you uh, joined us. Sorry the conversation is kind of heady, but hopefully you're getting some education. Again, if it doesn't have to just be about the commission. It could be about any public body. So people have issues with their local boards of supervisors or their city councils, or you know what I mean. There's a, there's a wide range of bodies that the, these open meeting laws would, would uh, apply to. So I'd encourage you to go... Uh, pull up this show at, at YouTube or your favorite podcast or Facebook. Share it. it may, you may be concerned about the commission. Certainly share it for that reason. But if you're just trying to get your friends and yourself educated about open meeting laws in Mississippi, a good show to, to kind of get a primer about it. Um, Jim, what you been working on, my friend? Well, I've been, <clears throat> I've been uh, doing research about uh, lead poisoning among uh, people in inner cities across the country. And what I've, what I've discovered is that uh, it's a ubiquitous problem uh, and it happens to affect the poorest and most uh, vulnerable of people um, in poor communities. And then it also, um, what, what I'm intrigued about is not that it happens because that's pretty well known, but the, what's happened to all of the people who were poisoned as kids, uh, how their lives changed, what's gone on. So I'm, that's what I've been focused on for the last uh, two or three years, actually. Good for you. And I can't wait to see the book and other collaborative efforts that come out of an effort like that. I know that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of research and and sweat and blood that's in a, that's in a series of stories like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned before I we went to the break, um, you know, you worked, worked in the Washington Bureau. You had knowledge of what's happening all around the world. But what you, if you see the normalizing of Putin these days, it's shocking that, that people sort of buy into uh, some of the narratives, some of the false narratives that are coming out of, of Russia these days. Man, I'm, I can't believe it. Right. Well, it is it is shocking, and it's it's actually personally shocking to me. I have I have a friend who's who lives in Kiev, and she uh, has she's a journalist, and she every day worries about the terror that will come from the sky, and and it's uh, her her life has been torn asunder by this, and uh, immediately after the invasion uh, a couple years ago. She fled. The, she fled the country. She had to go to a different uh, um, city to uh, to be safe. She's now back in Kiev, but uh, the the fact that Putin is is seen as a a powerful uh, person who could be emulated by anyone in America is stunning to me, and it's it's uh, it's proof that. Um, too many people don't read. They don't know history. They don't pay attention to uh, what power means in a dictatorship. Really well, I sent you that piece from the Associated Press about how they are revisionist <laughs> as far as the, the Russian history is concerned, and everything is sort of rooted in that. It's amazing to me that we're there. By the way, I have a friend from Kiev as well. Her name is Laura Jackson, and she's an independent um um, uh, volunteer there. She's been working there for many years and for like 16 or 17 years. She had to also leave Kiev to go to Western 
um, Iraq, I mean, excuse me, at Western Ukraine has been involved in nonprofit efforts to serve the, the, the fighters and their families and, and provide support in that way. She's been on my show several times, just an incredibly inspiring person. And when I get to know the people of Ukraine through the show, what I learn about them is they're a lot like us. They love, they're Christian. They love their, they love their communities. They, they, they want the fighting to stop. They want to be independent, and I mean, it's just—it's just not only terrifying, but heartbreaking what's happening there. In some ways, they have the values that Americans have always had, from the revolution to now. You know, they want to be free, they want to be able to speak their mind, they want to live their lives without fear, and that—that—that uh, that, that, um, some in the country don't. Don't want to encourage that. It's a it's a tragedy, and the consequence of the delay in helping funding uh, and bringing weapons to 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 the Ukrainians is clear. They just had to abandon the city uh, this past uh, weekend. Yeah, you know, uh, they can't shoot down as many uh, missiles headed their way. You know, they have to count the bullets they've got in their guns. It's like it's like please. Get off the dime, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, it is crazy. It's crazy watching it. The role that's you know you and I have had long discussions about the role social media is playing, and social media companies are playing, the role that biased news organizations are playing. You know you think about you think about what's happening with cable TV and the polarization they're creating and then new uh, you know, news outlets you can call them that or it's really not news outlets at all but new biased uh, programming that's emerging uh, across the internet and on on uh, Twitter formerly X and it's it's it's, um, it's amazing and difficult to keep up with I spent more time on X today than I've ever spent before just because I'm trying to keep up with it and I'm trying to have a perspective on it and there's a lot of good news there there and there's a lot of misinformation there, but that's true in every single uh, social media site you go to. Jim, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Well, I've, I enjoyed it. Happy this has been J- Jim Asher, public uh, Pulitzer Prize winning editor and uh, journalist, really good friend. We'll have him back. I hope you enjoyed this conversation because it was really, really important. We should always put the public trust first. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.